The Guardian has partnered with audible.co.uk to offer listeners a free audiobook when you sign up for a one-month, no-commitment trial of the Audible service. Audible has over 50,000 audiobook titles available to download. Go to guardian.co.uk slash audible for further details. The Guardian. Got lots of toots, uh, lots of beeps of a horn from taxi drivers. Like, yeah, generally people seem to be supportive, I think. We've not had any unsupported comments. Everyone is entitled to a dignified retirement and a decent pension. And the supposed offer that's on the table from the government isn't an offer at all. We've got to work longer, pay more, and we're going to get less at the end of it. Doesn't seem like a fair deal to me. It was billed as the biggest mass walkout since the general strike of 1926. Up to two million public sector workers went on strike, closing schools, curtailing council services, affecting hospitals. But with the promise of more strikes to come, we'll be asking if strikers and non-strikers still think mass walkouts are the best way to confront the government. And what about the wider public? Do they still believe that public sector workers, as public servants, deserve special treatment? Or are they losing the faith? On the banks of the Thames in South London is London's City Hall, where the Mayor of London, Boris Johnson, rules the roost. Outside today, there's a unison picket. I've been talking to some of the people here. If people who work in the private sector are not happy with their, with their um, pension entitlements, then they should fight for better pension entitlements, because that's what we're doing. And the reason we, we're in such a, well, a more strong position than they are is because we're unionised and because we can take this kind of action. Well, it's, it's important because, you know, the proposals that the government has put on the table at the moment means that our local government members and, and staff in the GLA will be expected to work longer, pay more and get less out, less out of the scheme when they retire. I mean, the other thing is, I mean, it's not just about today, is it? And it's not just about the people at work at the moment. It's about our younger people coming up. Um, if the pension scheme is decimated in the way the government is proposing, our younger members, our children, our grandchildren, they're not going to have a pension scheme to be and I don't think they're going to stop here. But people in the private sector say, we've got it rough too. Do you feel much sympathy from them? Well, I do feel sympathy for them because I think everyone should have a, a, a decent pension and I think that's what the unions are saying. But because they haven't got a decent pension doesn't necessarily mean that what the local government staff has signed up to as they, you know, in a contract, basically they've signed up to a contract, should end up losing theirs. I'm with David Wood, he's the branch chairman of the Greater London Authority branch of Unison. You take your jobs in a public institution, you want to serve the public, today you're not doing so. Why is this important enough for you to withdraw your labour and, and not serve the public today? Why do you feel that you have to do this? Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, the bottom line is none of us would want to be on strike. Nobody, you know, it's a sacrifice that, you know, that we would say we're making. I mean, nobody wants to lose a day's pay. But um, the, the, I think it's a wider message that we have, to, we have to be a part of, which is that we don't feel that, um, that the changes that are being proposed are ones that we can agree with. And that we, we're, we're not, we, it's difficult to see what alternative we have in this situation. And obviously it's a democratic process and the majority of Unison members and other union uh, members who have been validated uh, to feel the same way. But is going out on strike and perhaps inconvenience in the public, is that the best way to flag that issue up or you do not just risk alienating the public? Well, I don't feel that that's the case. I mean, clearly we've had a lot of public support. There are a lot of people who are not in um, 
uh, who, who might not be work for public sector organisations, even standing here outside City Hall, we had a lot of support from people just work, just walking past and, you know, so I don't know, I'm not sure if I if I can fully accept the argument that, we, that we're alienating the public. You know, they will, in any situation like this, there will be some people who agree with you and some who don't. I've now bumped into Murad Qureshi. He's a Labour Assembly member here at City Hall. And of course, your leader um, and, and the party aren't backing the strike. But you're here on the picket line. Why is that? Well, I think uh, the secret uh, uh, of my position is simply revealed in the name of my party, the Labour Party. And I'll emphasise Labour. And I think... Uh, uh, as a Unison member of the GLA branch, uh, I, I am uh, committed to the decision that have been made by the, the workforce here. And I've, come, I've come here to sh show my solidarity. Of course, you wear two hats, you're a Unison member, but as an Assembly member you have to gauge the mood of the public. At what point do actions like this start to alienate the public? I, I haven't yet come across that. I, I've seen some of the public opinion polls where I think people are... Um, broadly sympathetic I, I mean, it's interesting to see uh, particular key elements of the electorate like the young and uh, clearly they, they they see uncertain future and want one that uh, is more hopeful um, after yesterday's uh, uh, announcements from the Commons from uh, George Osborne I'd, I'd uh, be very I'll be walking around with a cloud under my head if I was uh, 10 15 years younger well, you can probably hear we're in the middle of the march now, just outside Holborn Station, uh, within a, a sea of banners. Uh, one in front of me, strike back, right to work, another, hands off our pensions. That's uh, a, a poster from the National Association of Probation Officers, I think. So as we shuffle along, I've uh, seen a lady and she's got a poster in front of me that says, step up the action, TUC call next strike. Why do you want them to call more strikes? Well, we're very... Uh hopeful that the government will back down after three million people have shown how they feel about the pension situation but if they don't back down we have to up the ante we have to go for a bigger strike including the private sector next time will more strikes work though won't you just get into diminishing returns won't you just annoy the public we are the public within the feeder into the march now and there's some great banners here and so you've got one it's a book well you tell me about it well it's obviously a take of a pastiche of the origin of species and what's your version the origin of specious because we think the arguments of the government about pensions are specious and do you think that what you're doing today and what's planned for future days other strikes is that likely to have an impact um, I really couldn't say, but I feel we should at least make our point and tell the government how we feel and hopefully raise some public awareness. This is about the public sector. Do you feel you're getting much sympathy from the private sector? What about people you know and relatives who aren't in the public sector? They how do vary, they vary actually, vary. Some of them, some of them seem to take the, what I regard as the untrue line that all this is unsustainable. Um, some of them don't. Uh, but even if, um, even if it were unsustainable, we can't solve that by having a, a situation where we end up with pensioners living longer, with less money. We'll end up living in a society of um, impoverished geriatrics, and that's not going to be beneficial to anybody. So I've just come to the side of the march now, just to get a, a sense of how people who aren't actually involved in the industrial action today feel about the public sector and the claims they're making. The general opinion is that uh, people are sympathetic 
um, but it's just um, I don't know if it's going to change a lot by having a strike about it but austerity is caused by the banks rather than uh, public sector people. I do have sympathy for them in a way because it's a fundamental change to terms and conditions and the government really are trying to impose an agreement on people that have worked for, for them for, for a very long time. I think it's media rhetoric, isn't it? It's a, it's a very easy target and it's a popular target. That's why the government's doing what it's doing. What do you think about the, uh, the walkout today? Two million people out saying that they need to protect their pensions. Oh, yeah, I've got some uh, sympathy for them. If, if you start a job 20 years ago and you're putting in a lump pension and you think they get a, a nice whack at the end of it and you get a quarter of that, I think they've got a right to strike. You know, because that's what they've saved up for all their life. So the principle you agree with? I mean, a lot of people will yeah. say they had really good pensions. Now yeah, they've I got slightly less good pensions, but they're still good pensions. They yeah, probably are still good pensions. Um, they're getting a lot more than I'm going to get, and I know that when I finish. Well, that's the view here in London, but of course the strikes happen throughout the country. Stephen Morris spoke to private sector workers on the streets of Bristol. How much sympathy do they have for public servants? I'm a big supporter of the, uh, of the strike and the protests. My brother-in-law is a paramedic and he works very hard and he deserves a pension. I've got a lot of friends that are teachers. And I think everyone across the public sector deserves to have a good future ahead of them when they come to a retirement age and something that they can live on. The private sector puts up a lot of fuss about people not having the quality and they can't have the pension that the public sector are getting. But I think, well, you've got uncapped earning potential in the, in the private sector and the public sector don't. You know, teachers are, are set into a certain wage bracket, so are paramedics and lots of people, and they deserve to be rewarded for the hard work they do. I think that they're right to strike for, for their rights. I know that might sound um, sort of cliched, but I don't think that they should have to work until 67. Specifically the teachers. Um, I know because I'm a teacher's assistant, I know how hard they work. And to expect someone to be looking after a group of children, 30 children at 67, I think it's too much. And for, um, you know, for them to be expected to do that, I think it's wrong. I, su I support the strike and I, um, you know, I understand why they're doing it because having been in the private sector pension myself which has gone from final salary to money purchased to nothing at all you know uh, it's obviously a concern as we're getting older we're going to be working till our 70s or 80 you know I'm 43 by the time I get around to retirement age I'll probably be about 75 or 80 so you know um, my wife is a teacher and she makes a very good point in that whilst some in the private sector don't agree with striking over the pensions most people in the private sector have been earning That's higher salaries and one of, the, one of the benefits of working in the public sector is that you have a, a lower salary, perhaps, but obviously the, the, the pension side of things and other benefits were, were worth doing, whereas now there is, no, there is no benefit in working in the public sector. I, I think it's fair play. I mean, I've taken the day off. I'm, not, I'm in the private sector, but I've taken the day off in support. Yeah. I, think, I think it's the right thing to do. Same old people are taking so-called we're all in this together and it seems like the people at the bottom are, are taking the hit, people at the top aren't. So I'm in support of it, yeah. And in Scotland an estimated 200,000 people went on strike. Severin Carell spoke to some of the key players in Edinburgh. Um, so I'm now talking to Albie O'Neill who is the um, PCS 
civil service union negotiator uh, for Scotland. And Albie's just been at the Scottish Parliament at Holyrood, where he spoke to Alex Salmond, the First Minister, as Alex Salmond crossed the PCS picket line. Um, Mr O'Neill, can you tell me a bit about today's strike? You, for the first time, have got um, Prospect and First Division Association civil servants on the picket line with you. This is a very unusual day, isn't it? It's probably unique in uh, recent history that we've had um, all the civil service unions, but all the public sector unions, uh, unions who have never balloted before, are taking industrial action today. So, yes, it is unique. And what did you say to Alex Salmond and what did he say to you about crossing a picket line about the merits of your strike and about the whole pensions issue? Well. Uh, Alex Salmond and the SNP uh, recognised the, the, the merit of our case. Um, they didn't say too much about whether or not we should be taking strike action, but they believe it's more important to debate the issue in the Parliament rather than standing on the picket lines uh, along with the 200,000 public sector workers who are taking action. And what do you think about that? Well, I think that as elected representatives, they should really represent the people who elected them, um, not by um, distancing themselves, but by getting in there and fighting for them and showing solidarity. And in real terms, the debate in the parliament won't change anything today. Um, but showing the commitment of the government to the public sector workers would have made much more difference. So I'm with Rodney Bickerstaff, who as a veteran of the British trade union movement who's joined the picket line outside Edinburgh Royal Infirmary. Mr Bickerstaff, a lot of people are saying that this strike, given that there's two million people taking part in it, is bigger than and certainly easily comparable to the big stoppage in 1979 when about 1.5 million public sector workers are on strike. Do you think that's right? I mean, have you experienced anything as large as this in your professional career? Well, yes, back then, uh, of course, uh, and it is comparable in that sense. But remember that the winter of discontent, so-called, was across a number of industries. It wasn't just in the public sector, not even in the public services. Uh, there were transport workers, as you recall, hauliers, all sorts of things. Secondly, it was over quite a long period, six, eight, nine, ten weeks, whereas this is just a single day that's been called, this one day of action, uh, and it's in respect not of pay policy, which it was back in the 70s, of course, successively in the past there'd been pay policies that had meant that the public service workers' uh, standard of living had just dropped and dropped and dropped. This is about pe pensions in particular, but it is the last straw because it's on the back of the fact that uh, we've had two-year pay freeze in the public services. The government have said there's going to be, after this, a 1% a year. Uh, inflation is running about 5%. The, the government's own independent body uh, said, uh, you know, its budget uh, responsibility body said that there were going to be 400,000 made redundant from the public sector. They yesterday added to that another third of a million. So 710,000 jobs, they believe, are going to go from the public sector and the public services. Now, when we are chided for taking one day of action and saying, look what it's doing to patients, look what it's doing to our poor citizens across the country, when in fact what the government's actions are doing are not just replicating that, multiply it by thousands and thousands of days that are being lost to the British economy, 
and to the, uh, the services of people if there are less teachers because of the cuts, if there are less nurses, less police, less... Obviously, I mean, you, you, this is not rocket science. So when they're bleating about our dear patients or people today cross picket lines with their little hearts throbbing saying we're looking after our children or we're looking after our patients, they wouldn't do what our people do in day in, day out, year in, year out, decade in, decade out because for low pay and low respect. And on top of that, they're saying pay 3% more on your pension. I mean, they're just asking too much. So in terms of party politics, the coalition denounced the strike. Labour's position wasn't quite so clear-cut. In the end, Ed Miliband backed the strikers, if not the strikes. But what did they make of it in the House of Commons? The Guardian's Mike White spoke to MPs there. Claire Perry, Conservative member for uh, Devizes since 2010. What should we think of the strike? What should voters think? Well, I, I think there's a real tone of sadness out there today. I mean, look, we've all got people doing a fantastic job in you know what we like to call the public sector jobs the really crucial jobs in our economy in all of our constituencies with fantastic schools and hospitals and civil servants my sister's a civil servant for goodness sakes and I think there is a real tone of sadness actually uh, amongst I suppose politicians that it's that it's come to this if you like that we're in the middle of a negotiation we heard yesterday in the autumn statement that you know things are really tough we're not making this up this is not an ideological battle this is we are in a very very tough spot economically we have to make some choices and it seems I think to lots of us that the uh, pension offer that's on the table is quite fair I mean again it's all if you're thinking about fairness there are lots of people in the private sector who say well where were the unions when Gordon Brown raided our pension scheme in 1997 um, you know we're asking people now we're offering people now uh, packages that mean they'll retire with sums that we can only dream of and and I just think the whole debate has got very politicised and, and I just think it's actually quite a sad day, really. Public sector uh, strikes on a day like today, uh, John Healy, what should we think about them? I think we should see this not in about trade union leaders, but today we see the staff right across the public services who provide the services we all need and depend on, from the borders to the hospital wards to the classrooms and our street cleaning, all saying, look, you're taking from us, you're making us pay more, we're ready to negotiate, we know things need to change, but you're not dealing with us fairly and uh, we should have huge sympathy and uh, a deep understanding of what they're facing. Well, I think I, I think most people you know, are going to think, why have there been no negotiations since November the 2nd? Why is the government, why is David Cameron? Well, it was obvious that the talks had not resolved this and they had not arrived at a solution. Why did David Cameron not call in the unions? And do everything he could to, uh, you know, to arrive at a arrive at an agreement to make sure this strike this strike today didn't take place. Thank you. That was Ian Austin, uh, Labour MP for Dudley North. North. John Thurso, uh, Lib Dem MP. How should people view today's public sector strikes and protests? I think they are an inevitable consequence of some very difficult uh, discussions between both sides. I have great sympathy for the strikers, but I actually think they're wrong. And uh, I think that the public are not, in fact, with them. They're, they do not have public support. But what I hope is we'll get, we'll get to a, a proper negotiated solution. Just caught Bern Jenkin, M uh, Conservative MP for Harwich and North Essex. The strikes. What do your voters think? What do you feel? Well, I feel very sad these strikes are taking place, that this is a, strikes, a strike of the haves rather than the have-nots. These are people in jobs 
with relatively very generous pensions uh, when and it's not going to do anything to help people without jobs and people in the private sector who don't have pensions at all. I hope that this is going to be resolved quickly and that um, people will recognise everyone's suffering in this euro-driven, debt-driven crisis, but there is a real public spending crisis and strikes aren't going to resolve that. And joining me in the studio, we have Tom Clark, a leader writer here at The Guardian and presenter of our Politics Weekly podcast, Matthew Sinclair, director of the Taxpayers' Alliance and Rachel Maskell, national officer from the Trade Union Unite. Rachel, let me start with you. Yesterday's strike, do you feel it was a success? I think yesterday showed overwhelming success. People that weren't planning to come out on strike actually did take action because they were so angry when they saw the figures about their pensions, about the 50% cut coming to their pensions when pension schemes are in surplus. This being a tax on public sector workers going straight into the Treasury to bail out the bankers. When people did the maths, they worked out that actually this was an attack on them. And as a result, they came out yesterday and made themselves heard. And I think the government showed they were shaken by the level of response yesterday today. That's not how it reads in the papers. In the papers it looks as if everyone went shopping. Well obviously the government will try and spin that the line that there wasn't engagement but I can tell you I was up in the northwest yesterday and our members were on picket lines. There were 70, 100 people on a picket line, everybody out there really demonstrating their anger at what the governments are doing. Matthew, how did it look from your standpoint? If the objective is to get lots of workers to turn out on strike, I mean, certainly it was a big strike, but if the objective is to persuade people or to, to, to either inspire much fear or support in the public, then I don't think it's, it has achieved much. It's caused disruption for people in the number of schools shut. doesn't appear to have particularly affected the border. But I think all the evidence is that it's drained rather than amplified public support for public sector workers in their attempts to resist quite fair reforms to their pensions. You say they're quite fair, but I mean, the median public sector pension is £5,600. It's hardly a fortune, That's is completely, it? That's completely misleading. You're including there lots of people who may only have worked in the public sector for a few years. What's from, so, and yet hence, you know, they would have been working somewhere else. They may have been accruing a pension somewhere else or not. But, you know, it's no representative of the normal pension someone can expect after working a career in public services. If someone works for a career, say as you know, a teacher, retires on, uh, for, for, you know, for a 30-year career, retires on £30,000, which is a final salary, is pretty modest, they'll get a pension of £15,000 a year. So those average statistics are completely misleading. And an attempt to, and, and actually, if you look at this the TUC poll yesterday, it showed that the public have a pretty good idea of what a normal public sector pension is. And it's not that average figure, which is massively biased by lots of people who haven't worked a career on earning that single, that, that earning an individual, a certain individual pension. Tom, is there anything that's clear? Because you know, obviously, we're in the middle of a, a huge propaganda battle. The statistics are being used um, one way by one side and another way by another. Is, is there anything that's clear cut? Well, I think public opinion is very fluid and mercurial on this at the moment. I mean, there's been different polls and they point in different directions. And when that happens, you can say, as is always wise in opinion polling, that a lot depends on how you phrase the question. For example, there was a poll for the BBC that showed very, very strong support for the workers, um, over 60, 61%, I think it was, saying that the strike was justified. Against that, there's been a lot of other polls, some of them by YouGov, that have shown when you say, do you support the strike rather than is it justified? 
that there's maybe a slight balance against the strikes. Now, you can say, as I say, that that's just a question of how you frame the question, and I'm sure it is to some extent, but I think it also shows that people haven't quite made up their mind. And I think the reason for that is that there's two divides here that are overlapping. There is, as Matthew says, a divide between people in the public sector on the one hand and the private sector on the other, and there's now a very big difference both between how many of them are in a pension scheme at all and how good that pension is likely to be. But there's another gap going on as well, which is highlighted by a report from the Institute for Fiscal Studies today about how everyone's in for a decade of misery and everyone's in for horrible um, squeezes, not just on pensions, but on pay as well over 10 years. And when there's still stories about fat cats getting their pensions and their bonuses, the interesting question for the unions is whether the more salient divide is between the rich and the rest and whether they can... uh, therefore be seen to be speaking not just for public sector workers but for people in private companies whose pensions are being squeezed as well for example there was a big ballot in favor of strike action i think unilever this week so uh, it's really a question of which one of those two divides becomes the more important rachel that private public sector divide is quite dangerous for you isn't it because in a way that's that's the device that's being used by ministers as they try to fend you off. How how do you stop them from being able to do that? It's a device being used by government, but Unite members who obviously cut across the private and the public sector have seen different attacks on their pensions, and we fought everyone because this shouldn't be about a race to the bottom. And absolutely, at Unilever, there's a dispute about the pensions there, likewise in the public sector. And it is right, it's about the inequality which is being built into our society, the rich getting richer, the poor getting poorer. The second issue, which um, as a union we're very concerned about, is this is an ideological stance that the government is making. Not only are they suppressing pension schemes which are bringing in a two billion surplus at the moment but also it will mean that people that, exit no, the on, scheme that, and destabilize it and on top of that one of the big concerns is what the government want to achieve is they want to sell off public services how do you do that you cut the pensions we heard obviously the chancellor's announcement on the 29th you cut the pay and as a result it's far more marketable to their rich business friends who are queuing up to buy the health service the local authority services and this is what the real agenda is about Matthew? This idea of a surplus in these pension schemes is completely misleading. It's based firstly on it's huge fact, amounts of It's fact, £2 billion a year in the NHS pension yeah, scheme. That's, in, that's with employer contributions, which are still paid for by taxpayers. Whether it's the, the, you know, the top up on top of that, which isn't needed because you've had such a massive expansion in the NHS workforce, or whether it's because of, empl- because of employer contributions, it doesn't matter how, whichever way you cut it, the heavy majority of these very generous pensions are being paid for by taxpayers. And there is a divide between the public and private sector, and you can see this in the union's behaviour. They didn't go out on strike over Gordon Brown's raid on the on the pensions with with a, with a new tax which wrecked private sector pension funds. You know that tax the unions were were you know, completely completely quiet on. They've gone out on strike when public sector pensions to the members who are getting paid much more generously. Both the IFS and the ONS have studied this and come to the conclusion that it's around seven to eight percent the public sector pay premium once you correct for things like age and qualifications. So fortunate workers getting much more generous pensions on top of that and then the and, and the unions come out on strike and inflict further you know, disruption on the people who pay for it all. Matthew, what about this what about this phrase people use about the race to the bottom? Because people I spoke to yesterday were say, were saying, well, yes, we're we're out on strike because we need to defend our pensions and I'd say, What about the private sector? And they'd say, Well, 
you know, they should have come out. That maybe they should be taking action about their their pensions. That the, the, the well, argument you're look, using is that well, the, the, our pensions the, the, are being eroded. In, in the worse. private sector, the difference between employers and employees' contributions is in the is in the, in the long term meaningless, right? Because an employer contribution is the cost of employing someone. The incidence of that falls on workers. In the end, this has to be paid for. And yes, in the private sector, people do need to save more towards their retirement. But in the same way, workers in the public sector need to pay more for the very generous pensions they're getting. And they probably can't afford the scale of pension that they are racking up. And that's why there needs to be action across both the sectors to make pensions more affordable and get, get stronger provision. Private sector pensions were much better supported. They were much stronger before that tax raid on them. And they do need to be rebuilt. But, you know, there's got to be a meeting in the middle. It's not about a race to the bottom. It's about meeting in the middle and accepting that public sector workers will have to pay more for their very generous pensions and they can't afford the kind of generosity which the current schemes allow. And the reform, I think the, the bigger, biggest problem with the government's reforms is more likely that they don't go far enough and they go too far. Richard, what would you say to that? Well, first of all, I'd like to correct some factual points here. First of all, private sector pensions, they became into difficulty because of the pensions holiday which employers enjoyed. And obviously they weren't putting in their contributions. No, so, and sorry, I'm going to finish my point. So that is what destabilised the private sector pensions. And of course, when employers came to address those issues um, further down the line, our members did take action and obviously went back to negotiate industrial action, did pursue, and obviously more reasonable proposals were put in in many cases. So to say we're just fighting on the public ground is wrong. Also, you keep using this phrase, generous pensions in the public sector. And I've got to correct you on that. The average woman in the public sector gets a pension of 4000 and £67 a year. And if I can just add, excuse me, if I can just add on top of that, we are talking about women workers who have career breaks, they're part-time workers, and they are being forced into pension of poverty. If you cut their pensions by 50%, which is what the government proposals will do, people will then be dependent on benefits on top. Secondly, I want to address your issue about the, the average wage in the public sector. What has actually happened with public sector jobs is those in some of the hotels health services, for instance, in, in the, the NHS, they've been outsourced to the private sector, but the people are still covered by pension schemes. So what you need to do is make sure you get your facts right before quoting know, figures. Matthew? You, either you, either you, you just can't understand these very basic points, or, you, or you're just intentionally misleading people. As I said, those, those average pension statistics are colossally distorted, because you could have someone who works for an extremely short period of time, who, who works in a public sector job just for a couple of years, getting in Included in that average statistic. Therefore, it's not a proper comparison of what someone will earn over a career in the public sector. And the same goes for, the, for these claims about, about pay. Both the IFS and the Office for National Statistics looking at this corrected for age, qualifications, skills, all sorts of things. They put all these corrections in, ran a regression analysis to work out which sector was being paid more, and both of them found between 7 and 8% was the public public sector premium. So it's just not true that this is the result only of a difference in skills, qualifications and Tom, things like Tom, that. Tom, let me bring you in here. Yeah. Let's talk about the politics for a moment. Um, this is obviously a very heated issue. I think it was the fiery pre- uh, question time we've had in the House of Commons for a while yesterday. Um, 
how has Ed Miliband come out of this? Because he seemed to be fence-sitting for a while. He, he did seem to, to, to make his position a bit clearer yesterday. Why does the Prime Minister think so many decent, hard-working public sector workers, many of whom have never been on strike before, feel the government simply isn't listening? The reason people are going on strike is because they object to the reforms that we are making to public sector pensions. But I believe those reforms are absolutely essential. And as the former Labour Pension Secretary, Lord Hutton, said, and he said this, it is hard to imagine, it is hard to imagine a better deal than this. But what I would say above all to people who are on strike today is that they are going on strike at a time when negotiations are still underway. Well, it's interesting with Ed Miliband. I, he's, he's, he's obviously schooled very much in, in, in the Gordon Brown um, mode. That's how he grew up and how he... Um, is that a good thing? <laughs> well, that makes him very hesitant and very keen to postpone decisions. But yeah, I slightly had the feeling that we saw back in the summer with the um, News of the World issue where he had to decide whether to go for Rebecca Brooks's head. And he, he didn't do it straight away. And apparently there was a meeting in his room with a big circle of advisors of him all saying contradictory things. Then he went into the chamber and said, you know what, I think the Prime Minister needs to call for Rebecca Brooks to go. And only a few days ago on the strikes, that you could see um, Labour front benches in rather robotic-like fashion spitting out the same line which was we think these strikes are wrong they're a signal of failure and people say well you might think that but you know people try and probe it a bit and you just get back to this mantra which is they're wrong because they're a sign of failure whereas yesterday it was almost like Ed sort of wanted to when it came to the crunch and he he sort of wanted to show which side he was on a bit more it was interesting was it let Ed be Ed I think it was a let Ed be Ed moment, and uh, what I'd be fascinated to know is how far before he walked into the chamber he decided to play it like that. I'm going to ask you about David Cameron in a moment, but I want to go to you, Rachel, just quickly. What was your feeling about the way Ed Miliband played this? I mean, I think Ed Miliband is setting out a new agenda for Labour, and I think he's showing that he's um, much more attuned with ordinary workers and that he does understand the, the real issues at stake over this. I mean, but all certain- those days when he wouldn't he wouldn't be explicit about what he thought, surely that must have been pretty irritating for you. Um, Obviously, we've been talking to the leader's office and and, um, giving him advice about the impact that it is having on our members and showing the case studies about the real cuts that people are experiencing. For instance, the issue around people working in public services until they're 68, often having to heavy lift patients, knowing the ludicrousy of that and how there is no risk assessment made of those kind of situations. He understands those arguments. So you helped him see the light at the end of the day? (laughs) Well, we always like to think um, as a trade union that um, we've got a party that, that represents working people so obviously it's our responsibility to make sure that message gets over. Tom David Cameron how's he come out of this? Well it's interesting too with Cameron I think you could say this has sort of been one of those issues where as it's become closer it's sort of like the old fault lines re-emerge in terms of who's for or against it. I wrote something only a few days ago saying how different this was from the 1980s both because you know we we can all say unions militant kind of out on the picket line and uh, you look at socialist worker banners today and you see that in one sense, nothing has changed. But we're talking here about a one-day strike, not a sort of, at this stage,
stage anyway, a, a massive long series of strikes and you've got some quite conservative minded people, her teachers and so on, um, going on strike as well. And I think the conservatives were cautious and they were worried about this phenomenon of workers being seen to speak for people who are fed up in the private sector as well as the public sector. And Francis Maud in particular, who's quite a kind of Thatcherite guy, but was playing it very delicately. And then suddenly on the eve of the strike, we had Michael Gove, um, who one of my colleagues said, oh, maybe he does want to be prime minister after all, after seeing his performance and how that played to the Tory um, grassroots and the, to- and, the, and the sort of anti-public sector lobby in the country, saying, um, you know, that, that almost going back to enemy within type language. And then Cameron sort of got quite close to that himself in the chamber yesterday. So again, as with Ed, it was all kind of centrist mush and then it got clarified at the last moment. It was quite interesting. Matthew, given the opposition, were you pleased with the stance taken by the government and the way they... Um, they, they actually spun the issue, I suppose, or handled the, 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 the public relations element of it. I think different ministers attempted to address this issue in different ways at different times. I don't think there was a, a single uh, clear response uh, from the government. I think at times they were, get, they were getting it right. They were you know, addressing the issues that do concern people, addressing that need for fairness. What about uh, those stories that were saying the ministers were pleased because the unions had fallen into a trap? Did you put much credence by that? Uh, no, I, I, I think I, I, I don't. I just don't think that rings that rings true to uh, you know the way the government have approached this. I don't think they would have made the second offer if that were the case. May, I mean, I've no I've no real expertise on this whether that's whether whether that is the truth, but it's hard to reconcile a second offer which would still leave a huge problem for taxpayers funding these pensions with a desire to provoke a strike. Because if you're trying to provoke one, the last thing you do uh, is give away the farm. I mean, it's just, it, it wouldn't make the slightest bit of sense. And the, that's, I think that's the main reason to be sceptical of the idea that they were really spoiling for a fight. I think there was a, a, there was a sort of sense on both, so I sort of get this impression on both sides from the sort of media reports, on, but that there was a sense from both that they needed to, that there, there, there had to be at least one major strike over pensions before they came to an agreement. And I think that's what's being, I, I, think, I think both sort of felt they had to play it out, and I think that might be what was being picked up in those reports. Tom Clark? Ma- uh, Tom Matthew, Clark? can I just ask, I'm interested from your standpoint, do you think there was significant that it was Danny Alexander, the Liberal Democrat, Chief Secretary, who was given the task of making the, you know, the second offer, which, as you say, was the, was the kind of most conciliatory tone the, the government struck here. Do you think there was a sort of difference between the two wings of the coalition, possibly? Good cop, bad cop. I, 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 again, I, I just think that, that often, quite a lot of the time when there are these stories about well, Liberal Democrats going one way, the Conservatives going another, you find that the divisions within the two parties are as interesting as the divisions between them. So I think that, that you know, for example, I think Eric Pickles would have been happy with a more robust approach than, uh, than, uh, than some of the other Conservative ministers. I think that's, you can see that in other areas of policy as well, that there are, there are differences within the parties, which can be a significant. So you can see that on public spending today, a difference between uh, what Danny Alexander is saying and what some of the other Liberal Democrats are. I think that actually it's the parties are themselves coalitions, and those coalitions are in, in many ways as divided and as evolving as, as, as the actual in, uh, inter-party coalition is. In the time we have left, let's talk about what comes next, because obviously 1.3, I think the government is saying 2 million uh, people came out this time round, um, but there is talk of more, uh, perhaps in the new year. If that happens, will you not, uh, Rachel, see diminishing returns and, and an irritated public? Do you think the public can stay on board if there are more strikes? 
I think the public yesterday demonstrated they understood the arguments at stake here. I mean, for us, we've been trying to negotiate around um, the issue of pensions, but the government haven't even been coming forward with the figures and putting real statistics on the table, which makes negotiation quite a meaningless process. So we're very optimistic that we will be able to get around the table and negotiate. That is our objective. The last thing we want is for our members to tell us that they want to go on strike because of the frustrations in the process. And we'll be obviously doing our best to try and get some settlement on this. But why are you optimistic? Well, I'm optimistic because I believe that yesterday did shake the government. We could see that because they put out very confused messages. At one minute, they were saying that um, no one was coming out. The next minute, they were saying the maximum number of services were disrupted. They didn't have a clear line on that. And as a result of that, I think they were quite shaken by the public and the um, professionals' response to yesterday. And they clearly need to do something. Secondly, I think they're quite worried about the reality that these pension schemes are going to be destabilised if they pursue the line that they're putting through. And obviously, if they're destabilised, they're going to have a massive problem in public services and no doubt will be called on to bail them out. So I think they realise they are going to have to talk to the unions and we're prepared to do that. Tom, we haven't used the phrase yet, but we have to because it's the law. A winter of discontent? No, I I don't think we're heading for a 1970s type winter of discontent. I mean, obviously, the, 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 the unions are a very shrunken force in the private sector, which is still um, most, you know, it's a great majority of employees. I also think some of those kind of non-traditional unionists that you got out yesterday, the kind of more conservative bureaucrat unions and the head teachers, for example, you hear people who are coming out and those saying, oh, we're just doing this as a one-off. We never thought we'd be forced to it. I can't believe that they will be sustaining a long campaign. I'd be, I'd be very surprised. I also think, although there is genuine sympathy for, uh, you know, the fact that people having to pay more to get less for less time sort of thing, you know, it's such an unattractive proposition that the government are putting. I think that the public isn't at the moment sufficiently against the government overall. You know, the, the Conservatives are almost holding their own with Labour in the opinion polls nationally. There's sort of three or four points gap. And if the government was more vulnerable then I th- in terms of, you know, if there was an election if it looked like it was more vulnerable in in that sense, then I think it could be more easily pressed by the workers. But to be honest, I I think we'll see a few more one-day strikes and then some kind of settlement with maybe disputes going on in some particular schemes, but not elsewhere. I think it's it's a bit of a myth that, you, that, pub, that the big public sector unions are reticent about striking. And if you look at the statistics, 2009, which is when you know the, the deal for the public sector was most generous relative to the private sector, it was before a lot of this stuff came through, uh, they were going on strike 15 times as much per worker. Uh, as those in the private sector. Can I just correct so you? It's not unions that go on strike, it's individual members who make that choice to go on and strike. They were, and they were doing it 15 times as much as people in the private sector. And do you think that's so- because they relish it? I think it's because it's because they are fight they are fighting and using uh, the power that the big public sector unions have because uh, they can't put the public sector out of business they can just impose a bigger burden on taxpayers and they're using that that power and that and to to, uh, to extract extract an extremely generous deal you know, in the time we have left can I just can I just quickly ask you then, if they are going to do that and if there are going to be more do you from what you saw yesterday think the government's equipped to deal with it We'll see. I think uh, over over time, uh, you know, they'll they'll have to sort of clarify and take a take a clear stand and choose between the the fortunate minority who get this pay, these very generous terms and the majority who pay for them. Okay. Well, we'll see. But that really is all we'll have time for. My thanks to Tom Clark, Matthew Sinclair, and Rachel Maskell. 
Thanks to our reporters, Mike White, Sev Carell and Steve Morris, who were out and about. The producers of this Focus podcast were Peter Sale and Phil Maynard. I'm Hugh Muir. Thank you for listening. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.